1: get it now it's time to sit and relax get your mind blown away ain't no skipping this track have you paid more attention no listening gap get everything i ever wanted no giving it back Yeah. Back. yeah. Ooh. yeah, yeah.
2: what's up everybody welcome to the apron bump podcast i am your host kyle also known as the hardest part of the ring How's everybody doing today? Hope everybody is enjoying their January. Hope everybody had a nice New Year's. Hope everybody's MLK day went swimmingly. Uh, what else? What else happens in January? What else? January holidays. Let's get this podcast red hot right out the gate with a little Google Ski. Of January holidays. What is your favorite January holiday? Apple gifting day. What the f- People are just making shit up. Wait, this is all on January. Oh, this is just like, Oh, today's give somebody a cookie day. <laughs> like, fuck, shut the fuck up, mom. Um, But anyways, what is today? As of recording this, today is <laughs> I'm not making these up. Maybe I'll even throw these on the screen. It is National Dress Up Your Pet Day. Fun fact before we get into all the Ring of Honor. By the way, Ring of Honor January 2004. We got another double shot episode for you guys today. It's going to be a fun time. We got a lot to get into, but first let's talk about dressing up your pets. So, me and the softest part of the ring, we have a whole wardrobe for our cats. Mind you, the cats hate clothes. I mean, they hate clothes like Isis hates the United States. Like they hate clothes like um like uh, okay, I got a couple of dicey ones on deck, but I'm gonna keep them in the knocking. <laughs> they just really don't like them. They we put a shirt on them, they stiffen up like a board. I mean they they sell these clothes like fucking Charlotte Flair, just no energy. They just plop over, right? You hear you hear him meowing in the background. He hears me talking about it. Let me go grab him.
0: Oh, he's a big boy.
2: Do you like your mind shirt, Dwayne? Tell, tell everybody how much you like your uh, your Santa hat, huh? And now you're going to clam up now that the microphones are in front of your face? The YouTube audience, I mean, they get a full dose of Dueno right here. This big fat... Look at his belly. Look at his belly. He loves it. Ow. God. Anyways. Um, it's also nat- National Hot Pastrami Sandwich Day, which... Speaking of which, I got... A nice pastrami for you. Huh? See, I was going for a penis reference there, but I don't even know if that makes sense. What does is, what is pastrami look like? Sorry, I'm like lollygagging to get into this. Uh, Like, what does what, what just a, a raw pastrami look like? Doesn't look that appetizing. It looks like it's going to be brisket, but it's not. You know what I'm saying? Not, not a big cold cuts guy myself. Not Not a big Italian cold cuts guy. Uh, this might be a hot take, huh? Hot take incoming. Uh, unpopular opinion. Semicolon. Line break. Here's my opinion. Oh, fucking Twitter is a fucking dumpster fire. Um, but anyways, let's get into some Ring of Honor, shall we? I guess we might as well talk about what the title of this podcast is, huh? Who's right? Who's with me? 2004, making our debut on the Apron Bump in. The year of 2004, the year of our Lord, uh, roughly a 20 year anniversary of these two shows. We got. Battle lines are drawn, drawn, drawn. Battle lines are drawn, doesn't sound drawn, drawn, D, D, R, A, W, N, drawn. Why does that not sound right? My stupid Virginia accent, drawn. Battle lines are drawn. And the last stand are two shows that daddy is going to be discussing today. We're going to be recapping these two shows. We'll kind of be jumping back and forth. We got some running threads that occur, you know, in both shows. that kind of run from one show to the other. We got some standout matches that happen on these shows. We got some storyline hullabaloo shenanigans happening on these shows. Lots to get into. We got the pure title to talk about, which that has been formally announced here. Uh, Not only the title, but we got the tournament, the one night tournament that's going to be happening at the second anniversary show, which is the next month. So uh, the next Ring of Honor review that I do will be covering that. But on the way there, we are building the pure division. We're establishing the rules of pure title matches. We're kind of fine tuning what it means to to be a a pure wrestling match. Like, what's the difference between that and a regular match? So a lot of a lot of kinks kind of being worked out. A lot of seeds being planted. We got also we got Joe, the Ring of Honor champion, continuing his feud with uh, both the Briscoes as well as Jim Cornette, which is something. It is certainly something Uh, maybe the main feud occurring on these two shows. We got the Second City Saints uh, battling with the prophecy. So we got faction warfare going here. Basically, we got CM Punk's group versus Christopher Daniels's group clashing in a variety of different ways. And we'll get into that. But uh, two of the most charismatic guys, two of the strongest characters by far, I think. Uh, in Ring of Honor as of this point here in 2004, right in the beginning here. Um, so that'll be fun. We also got Homicide hanging around here. He's kind of in a limbo period. He might even be taking a break from Ring of Honor. So that's, um, we got a lot, again, there's more more to talk about there, but he's got some pretty good matches, probably the highlight matches of these uh, these two shows. Um, and then, of course, we got all this, the ridiculous... <laughs> scramble matches, we got Special K, we got the Carnage crew, all the characters you love and you love to hate uh, from Ring of Honor in the uh, the early stages of this company. We got a few debuts here as well. We got some returns, a lot to talk about here. Just kind of laying the scene, setting the scene. uh, For January 2004. But before we get into the nitty gritty of these shows, First. Follow me, you asshole, go to apron bump at apron bump on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, you know, uh, Reddit. QAnon, like all of those things Uh, hit me up. All of that will be in in the description below. Also in the description. First, I should also say the cards for both of these shows will you'll find these in the description as well. If you want to kind of just take a gander, get a little taste of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, But also there you'll find a link to all of my Ring of Honor reviews that I've done so far. I started from the very beginning. An era of honor begins roughly two years previous uh, to the shows we're covering today. So we've covered two full years of Ring of Honor building stages of this company that would go on to change the landscape of wrestling and is creating effects that we're still feeling today. Um, as far as the style of wrestling that was kind of bred out of ring of honor, at least in America. So it's been a fun journey. It has not all been good, but by golly, it's all been entertaining in, uh, in some, some way or another. So If you would like to relive this journey from the very beginning, go to apronbump.com, go to the Episodes tab, go select Ring of Honor, or click the link in the description. I'll have that there for you as well. But that'll bring you to all of the Ring of Honor shows that I've covered thus far in chronological order. Always a good time. Go do that. Rate the podcast, review the podcast, subscribe, like, ring the bell, ring my balls, powder my speed bag. And um, let's just get right into it. Huh? I think I've plugged enough. I think I've plugged enough. Let's talk about what what do we talk about first here? What do we talk about first? Let's get into the pure wrestling division, huh? Let's talk about pure wrestling. And that may to you to the untrained ear sound just like a like a vague way of (laughs) describing wrestling. But it is a specific division that we have here in Ring of Honor that we are just now establishing here in January of 2004, we got the first ever pure wrestling matches, which are specific rules that we'll get into. Um, but this is something that is still around today. We still got a pure champion. I think as of recording, I believe Wheeler, Yuta is the champion. And we still got the pure rules. We got the three rope break limits. So in a pure wrestling match, for, just, just for anybody who's not aware, Um, you get three rope breaks and that's it. So if you, if you use up your rope breaks, you know, you grab the rope to, uh, exit a submission to counter a submission or a pinfall or whatever, you can do that. But once you do it for the third time, there's no longer any rope breaks. So you can be tangled up in the ropes, but somebody can still be strangling your balls and your scroat. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think balls, ball scrote might still be. Illegal, But you know what I mean? You can be in the you could be in the ropes, you can be in a choke, a uh, Boston crab, uh, a three-handled Moss covered family credenza. Like you can you could be in these ropes and you can still lose because you've exhausted your rope breaks. And here at the Battle Lines are drawn, which is night 1. By the way, Battle Lines are drawn uh occurred on January 10th, 2004, and the last stand occurred on January 29th. 2004 so you might hear me reference night one night two night one is battle lines night two is the last stand um but night one the first ever pure wrestling match is alex shelley taking on matt striker not that matt striker for any any new listeners matt striker with a y this is it is not the teacher it is not big daddy v's manager it is Matt Stryker with the Y, he has a U and a brow. I guess that's his character. But he he's got a lot of momentum here. The Field of Honor champion, <laughs> the coveted Field of Honor champion. Matt Stryker, if you're not familiar with the Field of Honor. Uh, we talk about that in the previous episodes. Go give it a gander. But basically, it was a round robin tournament. Uh he's the he's he's the continental crown champion, huh? He's he, he was Eddie Kingston 20 years ago, Matt Stryker and uh taking on alex shelley which uh as of recording this episode uh we just saw alex shelley lose the tna world championship so he's still he's a main fixture in the main event scene uh in tna today so we got two guys that are uh well one guy that's still around uh, but alex shelley Matt striker pure wrestling and we got a couple of pure wrestling matches that we'll kind of just we'll rattle them off here you know i'll say this Let's just let's 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 before we get into the matches themselves, let's let's talk pure wrestling, pure wrestling matches. What do we think about them, gang? Really, the only rule is three rope breaks that we just talked about. I think today they've established, what is it, a 15 minute time limit as well. And I think that's the only other rule. I could be wrong. That is something that I could easily Google, but I choose not to. Um, I, but I really think it's just three rope breaks. They're not in rounds, are they? Fuck! God damn it! I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. What what are the rules? Oh, wait, pure wrestling rules. Oh, they got they got a lot more rules now. Actually, shit, shit on my dick. Well, this this is actually pretty interesting because we're 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 kind of following the iterative process of establishing these rules. So currently in 2024, here are the pure wrestling rules. Yeah, there's ten, there's ten rules. Uh, the first rule is the three rope breaks, which we talked about. Second rule is, well, it's kind of just an so we got it's kind of just an extension of that. After the three rope breaks are exhausted, uh, submissions and pin attempts under the ropes or on the ropes are legal. Rule number three: No closed fist punches to the face permitted. Isn't that just a regular? I don't know. Uh, step step four. Rule four. Open handed slaps or chops to the face are permitted. Step five, punches to the rest of the body are allowed, excluding low blows. Rule number six, the first use of a closed fist to the face receives a warning. Rule number seven, the second use of a closed fist to the face rule. That's like a tongue twister. Closed fist to the face. Results in a disqualification. Rule number eight. The title can change hands via disqualification and count out. Rule number nine. Outside interference will result in automatic termination from the roster for the wrestler that interferes. That's a little brutal. Rule number 10. If a title match reaches a time limit without a winner being declared, the winner is decided by a panel of three judges. OK, so that feels like three or four rules just spread out. And te- I'm looking at the Wikipedia here. I don't know if this is. Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's a pure wrestling Bible somewhere that I should be reading. But um, so to sum up. Three rope breaks, no closed fist punches to the face, I guess. No outside interference. And a 15 minute time limit that will be decided by judges. So That's like four rules, really, that they just spread out. Um. But all that to say, going back to 2004, which is where we're at here, there's only one rule, and that's the three rope breaks. So I guess we're going to figure that out as we go along here. But again, what I was trying to say is what do we think about pure wrestling? Because I've had guests on in the past that are more familiar with the pure wrestling history than I am. Because, you know, I've seen a lot of matches, you know, recently, like since the reboot of Ring of Honor. I so I've always been a um a strong supporter of specific match types tied to certain championships. And um NXT, I love the Heritage Cup concept. British round style, you got what is whatever 6 rounds, 3 minutes each uh best two out of 3. Like they have their own they have their own set of rules for this particular title or trophy or whatever the hell. I kind of like that because I don't love the concept of like, like you have the world title and then you have like tiers below, like you have the Intercontinental Championship, the US title. I understand what they're there for, right? It's a stepping stone. It's almost like a like a testing, like a like a test drive almost to see if you could become a world champion to see if you could be the face of a company they, we, we always try to establish it as the workhorse quote unquote title, but shouldn't every title be that? I don't know. Um, but that, that being said, it's very vague and it's like, why wouldn't you go for the world title? Like why would you decide to go for the intercontinental or the U S title or the TV title or whatever the hell, why would you go for that instead of the world title? Like wouldn't you want to always strive to be the top guy? So there's always like a level of, vagueness and kind of muddy waters there. But here with the pure wrestling and what I just talked about, the Heritage Cup, like this is a style of wrestling that you're trying to conquer. Like it's a style of wrestling that you're trying to establish yourself as the best in the in the industry at that style of wrestling. And that to me makes more sense, right? So I like pure wrestling and the pure wrestling title on paper, right? As far as like, I, I do like the three rope breaks. I think that's cool because, you know, you get your rope breaks because pure wrestling and we're going to talk a little bit more about how the, the the definition of this is a little vague. But, you know, you're you're good at the technical aspect of it. You're good at the grappling arts, the submissions, the the, you know, countering ring placement, all that stuff. Right. You're, you're a master at that. You might not have the most you might not be. You're not there to electrify the crowd with your charisma, with your presence. You're there to, in kayfabe, to be the best wrestler, and I enjoy that. And three rope breaks—you don't have to. You can't just rely on grabbing the rope to get out of the submission. You have to really reach into your repertoire, and you have to really use your abilities and your creativity to escape these submission holds, what have you. And also on the other end, using it as a strategy to get your opponent to exhaust their rope breaks. Like there's a level of strategy to it that I enjoy. It's just another I would not want every wrestling match on a card to be this. But I think it it presents a fun novelty to incorporate within a card, if that makes any sense. Like if you've if you've listened to me for a while, you'll know that I like wrestling to be a buffet. I love wrestling to be a variety show. I want if I sit down and watch a wrestling card, I want, you know, a pure technical match. I want a high flying luchador match, a hardcore match, a soap opera type match, big high stakes um, to big time title matches. But, you know, also some fun, maybe some comedic stuff in the middle. I want tag matches. I want women's matches. I want hoss fights. I want European style, Japanese style like that. I love the variety aspect of wrestling. And I think a card that presents different styles. Different different flavors, different tastes. You put it all in a card and that to me is how I enjoy wrestling the most. I don't I don't want every match to be a pure wrestling title match. It would get draining after a while. And um, but I like it incorporated in the card, which is kind of what we got here. So. All that to say is that currently I am a fan of pure wrestling. Will that change as I, you know, move on through 04, 05, 06? We'll see. Subscribe and find out. Smash that like button. Um, And like I said, we're building to a one night tournament that will occur at the second anniversary show next month. We got some qualifying matches, um, but... In talking about like what pure wrestling is, listen to commentator Gabe Sapolsky describe to you what his definition of pure wrestling is. I'm not even going to give any I'm not going to um, give my opinion on it. I'm just going to let it play for you. I'm going to let you form your own opinion and then I will give mine. Let's hit play on this bad boy.
0: For this new pure wrestling division, I want to clarify, pure wrestling, well, it doesn't just mean technical wrestling, it doesn't just mean working an
2: arm or working a leg, pure wrestling means competition in its purest, at its purest, that is what pure wrestling is all about, great athletic matches, it encompasses all
0: styles of wrestling, it's just about being, the, having the most competitive athletic matches going today, and that's what Ring of Honor features.
2: Is that not just every wrestling match? Is that not is that not just what you're trying to make Ring of Honor be? And He does this, too. Like we got Alex Shelley and Matt Stryker here in a a pure wrestling rules match. But then we'll have like Homicide versus CM Punk or Homicide versus AJ Styles. We'll have like a four way survival match with a bunch of other, you know, up and comers. And every every match, I swear to God, every match on at least night one. Gabe describes every match as a pure wrestling match they're not all pure wrestling rules but it's like when every match is pure wrestling then no match is pure wrestling like am i crazy <laughs> like what it has bugged this shit out every match like, Oh, this is by the way guys also a pure wrestling match like is it um but i don't know maybe that's just me while we're talking about production, I promise you I'm going to talk about this wrestling. I promise you I'm going to get to Alex Shelley and Matt Stryker eventually. We just need to get we need to get the, the production shit out of the way because that that it's what you see. It's what you hear. So these are the first things that came to mind when I turned these shows on. Right. Commentary. We talked about it. By the way, Chris Nelson replaced Ray Morrow. So Chris Nelson was this, um, I guess, the color guy to, to Gabe. Maybe the play-by-play, I don't know. But he's making his debut here as a commentator. He's tremendous. Chris Nelson, uh, if you're not familiar, he's a former NWA tag team champion. So he's a former wrestler. Like, he knows what he's talking about. He has a great voice. He has that that Chicago, hey, let me get this deep dish pizza, kind of, that's a terrible Chicago accent. What do people from Chicago sound like? What do they say? I work with children. Yeah, that's what they say. Um, But... We got Chris Nelson here, who's a great commentator. He's kind of just thrown in there with Gabe's nonsense. You really hear how bad Gabe is when he's paired with Chris, who is just a voice for commentary. He knows what he's talking about. He knows how to like pace his sentences. you know be I mean? joined by a new
0: partner here in the announcing booth former NWA tag team champion from the Florida area Chris Nelson I tell you what Lovey it's great to be here in Ring of Honor I'm very happy to be here in one of the top federations in the world Ring of Honor and we've got some great action for you
2: tonight Lovey so, I don't know this is just me it's nitpicking I'm just I'm worn down from Gabe's stupid Jerry Seinfeld voice yelling at me for 3 hours straight with no pauses that's just me I'm not a big fan of it um but the production of Night One is very interesting because it's very reminiscent of like old school OVW and like the hard cam. I don't, I don't know if Ring of Honor's ever had like a hard cam before. Now that I'm thinking about it, like it always, it's always got like the handheld cameras ringside, but it just felt very. Like when you see old clips of like John Cena and ring and Randy Orton and Batista and OVW, you've seen like clips like in documentaries and stuff like that's how this whole show is shot with this hard cam. And I bring this up because there's also, you know, the handheld cameras ringside, right? They switch back and forth. The settings are not the same, like the white balance is off. So like the hard cam looks good. It looks how it should, but then it'll shift to the handheld cameras. And it'll be dark as fuck. It'll be green almost like you can barely see. It's very green. I don't know. What, is, it, is it the saturation? The hue? It's it's completely off. Right. It is very distracting. It made me want to throw up a little at certain points in this show. Maybe I'll throw a clip up here on the YouTube. Just kind of <laughs> illustrate what I'm talking about here. But um, I was not a big fan of that. I should also say, I don't know if this was the OVW. I said it was very reminiscent of OVW. This show does occur in Ohio, so I don't know if this is actually OVW. I couldn't really figure it out Googling it. Uh, This may very well be the OVW arena for all I know. Um, I know Jim Cornette, who is the head of OVW at this point, is a part of Ring of Honor. So it's very possible. But I don't know. That was a fun little nugget. That's probably only fun to me. Um, But let's talk about the wrestling for the love of fuck. Alex Shelley, Matt Stryker. We got the Field of Honor champion, Matt Stryker. Taking on a relative newcomer, Alex Shelley. I'm going to tell you this. The crowd is horny (laughs) for this match. Pure wrestling. You got the chain wrestling. Alex Shelley is the best, dude. I mean, the way he transitions. He does this like neck breaker. But like keeps control of the neck when he hits the mat, does like a gator roll and then flips up into a muda lock. Matt Striker's working the leg. They're like the crowd's reacting big for the rope breaks. So it's it's it was apparently very established to the crowd, to the live crowd, what the rules are. So when, whenever somebody makes a rope break, the crowd's like, oh, and they're like all counting along because this is the first one. This is the first ever pure wrestling match, which is fun, right? And I do, as far as the match itself, I love the storytelling element of wrestlers, like instincts taking over. Right. Because, you know, you have three rope breaks to use. So you would think they would try to save them. But like I said, their wrestler instincts, you know, they get into a hole. They're like, oh, the ropes are right here. I'm going to grab them. But then they realize right after they grab them, that it's like, oh, shit, that's one less rope break I can use for like a later down the match when I really need it. So both guys do that, right? They'll be in like a like a just like a, a working hold. Like they're not in trouble, but they grab the ropes to let go. And then they're like, I, I love that that psychology to it. But um, during the match, Matt Stryker works on the leg of Alex Shelley, which makes sense because Matt Stryker's finisher is uh, the striker lock, which is like an Indian death lock type move. Uh, That works on the leg, so that all pans out well for him because Alex Shelley goes to the top rope at some point and his leg just like crumples underneath him. So he like just falls and crotches himself on the top rope. His leg gives from all the work that's been done to it. Uh, Striker locks him in a tree of woe in the corner, beats on the knee, locks in the striker lock. But Alex Shelley grabs the rope to exhaust his final rope break. And then uh, so he has no more rope breaks to use. So Matt Stryker puts the striker lock back on after he lets go, puts it back on. Alex Shelley is still on the ropes, but it doesn't matter because he can no longer use the rope break to uh, break up the submission. So Alex Shelley ends up tapping like all tangled up in the ropes. So Matt Stryker wins, makes use of the pure wrestling rules and the format that's been laid out. I thought this was just a good introduction to the concept because you you make use of the rope breaks and all the stuff I talked about. Right. So it was a solid match. It's nothing that I would be like, oh, like none of these pure matches are like something that I would be like, you need to go watch this right now. But they're all very solid matches. They're fun. Like I said, it's it's a novel concept. And Ring of Honor trying to establish themselves as a uh, like an alternative. I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, we also got Nigel McGinnis versus Cody Hawk. Cody Hawk, which is not a pure wrestling match, but Gabe Sapolsky tells us that it is also a pure match. So take that for uh, take that what you will. You might be thinking, Kyle, that's very confusing. I agree. I agree. Shout out sting. It's an HWA heavyweight title match. So Nigel McGinnis, who we all know would go on to be a major fixture in Ring of Honor, is still very new here. I think this is like his third match in Ring of Honor. Um, but he really only pops up when they're in Ohio. Because I believe HWA is a Ohio-based uh, independent promotion. So giving him some shine, as well as Cody Hawk. Um, but man, it is so clear. I don't know if it's hindsight or what, but Nigel McGuinness is so fucking good, dude. I mean... The Brit, the British wrestling style, with you know the, you know wrist like it's you gotta watch. I don't know how to (laughs) articulate it with words, but just the way he like transitions from move to move, all like the wrist locks and the arm drags and just like the British, the British style. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's very foreign to the United States wrestling audience as of this point. Because right now, because you know. Companies like Progress Wrestling, Rev Pro, OTT, you know, NXT UK, like we're all now exposed to that style, right? Even today, like on the main shows, we're all SmackDown, AEW. You got a lot of British wrestling influence infiltrating America. But in 2004, it wasn't as big. I mean, you had your Regals and stuff like that, but it was not, you know, you didn't have Nigel McGuinness's on WWE. I'll put it that way. Or WCW or whatever the hell, right? TNA even. So it was very the crowd loved his 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 flavor of of chain wrestling. Like I said, they they were into this this style of wrestling from night one. So Nigel, that was just my main takeaway, is how smooth Nigel was at this point. Because he he had a bit more of like a he would go on to be just like a classic heel kind of more strikes, I would say. He his 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 clothesline was his finisher. He had a submission also as his finisher, like the the Tower of London, which was like a cutter out of the corner. But here he's he's just chain wrestling. He's doing a little bit of high flying, too, which is fun. Um, At one point, he gets his head busted open on the corner post because him and. Cody Hawk are fighting on the outside and they have like their hands linked together. But the ring post is like in between them. So they're like bashing each other's head into it. There's a famous spot where Nigel and Daniel or Brian Danielson do this later down the road. But Nigel just shoot, bashes his head against the corner post, gushing blood, because why wouldn't you be? And um, Cody Hawk takes advantage. Hits a kneeling muscle, like a muscle buster, but just falls straight down on his knees. So it's like he crunches his neck. It looks very brutal, like it looks very unsafe. Uh, When I was I I trained wrestling for a few months and a guy at my school, his finish was this move. And I'm so glad I never had to take it because I don't know how you can take it and not fucking break your neck. But uh, he did it to Nigel here. And then the finishing stretch of this match, you got Cody Hawk throws out an electric chair for a two count. Nigel, he's like I said, he's gushing blood. So he's trying to get all these roll ups to try to just end the match. He hits this like. Superman pin clutch type deal for a two count. Cody Hawk, it's a pile driver, but Nigel grabs the ropes to break up the pin. Nigel again, just another European clutch with a head scissor. And eventually Nigel's able to win with just a roll through cradle type move. Uh, gets the win kind of out of nowhere, but made sense with uh, how dire his situation was. <laughs> just a lot of blood and just like a like these guys were showing out. They they were here to get noticed by Ring of Honor and Nigel McGuinness at least clearly got noticed. I don't know what Cody Hawk would go on to do. I don't know if he sticks around, but. Nigel's here, man. Love me some Nigel McGinnis. Uh, it's just very interesting watching this with hindsight, because we, we like I said, we all know. Nigel would go on to be—he'd be a pure wrestling champion. He'd be the Ring of Honor World Champion. He just—he's like a Mount Rushmore guy in Ring of Honor, in my opinion. So, and we're, we're, I've never heard of Cody Hawk. So it's just interesting of watching this, like watching. Like maybe there's a reason why I don't know who Cody Hawk is, just based on this match. But that's some good stuff there. Um, keeping with the pure wrestling style matches here, we got another pure wrestling match. Chris Sabin versus Jimmy Jacobs. So Jimmy Jacobs is still doing the berserker bruiser Brody gimmick. He has the furry boots. He's doing the huss thing. He's I don't know, Just give me give me age of the fall Jimmy Jacobs, man. I don't know. Uh and then we got Chris Sabin who at this point is has become a big part of TNA, big part of the X Division. We got Hale Sabin chants in the crowd. So Chris Sabin's making a name for himself. And um, I would say this Chris Saban, this was this was a good month for Chris Saban. I'll just say that had some good matches and got some good wins. So because he's kind of been middling, he's made a few appearances on Ring of Honor, but I don't think he's really won much, if any. <laughs> so he's kind of just been middling a little bit. But I think he made some strides to make a name for himself here. And I'll say this this is a pure wrestling qualifier match to get into the tournament next month. Um. I thought it was just a fun, innovative match. I thought you got Jimmy Jake or Jimmy Jacobs. <laughs> he does this like reverse pedigree deal where it's like. Think of a pedigree, but the guy given it is facing the other way, so it's like almost like an unprettier, but he like falls to his knees instead. I appreciate the innovation doesn't look that great, but. Um, He does do a slick like O'Connor roll into a camel clutch. So another guy that's very seamless with the chain wrestling is Jimmy Jacobs. Very underrated, I think. Um, Saban throwing out some crazy drop kicks, dude. I mean, the springboard drop kicks he does where he just levitates in the air. He's just so explosive with his feet. Just really fun to watch. To this day, he is, man. So good. Um, At some point. Jimmy Jacobs comes off the second rope, but Saban catches him in midair in a suplex position, drops him with a brain buster, only gets two count. Jimmy Jacobs fights back, goes for a back senton off the top rope, but Saban gets his knees up, and Jacobs lands, like, all back, dude. Like, there was no feet there to brace his fall. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, throw, you do a back senton, you might land on your feet first. To like brace the impact but it is just all back on Sabin's knees looked brutal Sabin hits him with a dragon suplex and then is able to hit a second rope cradle shock to get the win so a fireman's carry slam of sorts if you're not familiar with the cradle shock gnarly looking spot there in the finish and uh, like it's just a fun match which is all you really which is all you really ask for by the way, I don't remember if I said this is a pure wrestling rules match. It's not a pure wrestling rules match, but I wrote down in my notes. This is a pure match because. Gabe told me it was, but it was not a pure wrestling match. Um, but just a fun match there. And, you know, moving on to night two, kind of in this like pure wrestling realm that we're talking about right now. T- well, we're talking about Jimmy Jacobs. He had another match at night two against Alex Shelley. So both guys making another appearance here. Alex Shelley lost on night one and so did Jimmy Jacobs. So both guys are looking for their first win of the month. Um, Honestly, one of the better matches of this month, weirdly, was Alex Shelley versus Jimmy Jacobs. I say weirdly because as of this point, like both guys are relative unknowns. Both guys have only appeared a few times, but they got the crowd, man. This is a really fun match. Honestly, they did a lot of things that they did in night one. Like I was talking, Alex Shelley did that neck breaker into the mood lock. He got Jacobs doing like the back sentons off the top rope. So there was a lot of things that were kind of duplicative of night one, but they threw in some new stuff here. Jimmy Jacobs, his character, man, I don't know. He's a bruiser. Brody esque is all I can say, but he's just like a little guy. He's bashing his own head into the top turnbuckle. Um, I don't know. This match is a lot of Alex Shelley just kicking the shit out of Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, now that I'm really thinking of it. I mean, he's he's countering all of Jacobs moves like Jacobs goes for a plancha over the top rope to the floor. But Shelley just like drops to a knee and Jacobs lands gut first on Shelley's knee to the outside, which looked brutal. But again, Jacobs goes for this back senton off the top rope. Again, Shelly counters with the knees and then Shelly hits his it's like a blade runner sister Abigail type move. I think he calls it the shell shock Um, hits that on the Jacobs locks in the Gargano escape and um, gets the tap out. So Alex Shelly gets the win, which I think he calls the border city. I don't know. I'm just talking in in terms of moves that I, I know and that I think my listeners will know. He hits a. He hits a sister Abigail into a Gargano escape. Jacobs taps out. Alex Shelley wins really, really fun finish, really good match. I think they're they both are like Michigan guys. I think they like drive together, so they clearly have some good chemistry. So that really translated well into this match. The last pure match we'll talk about, I guess the last pure match that happened is is this is actually a pure wrestling rules match. And is a uh, qualifier for the tournament. Next month, we got John Walters versus Chad Collier. So we've seen both these guys. John Walters is a guy that's gained a bit of momentum in the past few months. He had a brutal street fight with Xavier at final battle. Had a real, that entire feud with Xavier was really good. Chad Collier is a guy who has not popped up in a while, but he's had a few, he's had matches with Matt Stryker, with Brian Danielson. Just, if you're not familiar with Chad Collier, Think Dean Malenko on steroids. And when I say on steroids, I'm not talking like, oh, he's just a better version of Dean Mal-. No, like he's like, like literal, like injections, like trend, like he, like horse to horse tranquilizer, like put, put that into Dean Malenko. Blow him up. That's Chet Collier. Um, <laughs> but again, very similar to the first pure wrestling rules match. Both guys are kind of Just starting to kind of get ingratiated with the concept. Their instincts are leading to them wasting rope breaks when they don't need them. Both wrestlers are doing that. So I like the storytelling there. Um, Chad, Chad's Chad Collier's move is the clover leaf. So he keeps trying to go for that. Uh, Walter's grabs the ropes, though, to escape it because he knows how how uh, deadly of a move it is. So he needs a rope break. He needs to exhaust the rope break to break it up. Very chain wrestling heavy in the beginning, but it kind of heats up towards the end. Walters hits a backpack stunner on Collier. Collier follows up with a German suplex, goes for the clover leaf, But Walters counters right into the sharpshooter, like from the ground, which looked pretty sick. Uh, But again, Collier gets the ropes because he knows this is his his, like most deadly weapon. So it makes sense for him to exhaust a rope break here. Walters hits a Hurricane DDT for a two count, locks in the sharpshooter. Collier fights out of it. Back and forth. We got blocks. We got reversals. Ultimately, Collier has to use his final rope break to break up a sharpshooter again. But again, very similar to the Alex Shelley um, Matt striker match. John Walters lets go of the sharpshooter while he's on the ropes and then locks it back in because now he has no more rope breaks Locks in. It's like um, almost like a tarantula type move. Shout out to Jiri. It's like a Boston crab in the ropes, but he locks this in. Looks brutal. Um, but Collier has to tap out because he has no more rope breaks and you can't really. How do you fucking even counter this? You're like all tied up in the ropes. So good, good psychology. Good strategy from Walters here. It makes sense. And again, a good match. Lots of fire to this match. I enjoyed it. And just another good, like, l- giving the audience a taste of this match concept and the strategies that the wrestlers can use within it. So, again, just uh, this month, I thought was a good introduction to the pure wrestling style um, or the match type, I guess. And they'll go on to add more rules here. But I think I thought it was a good start. It's basically my my uh too long, didn't read uh, bullet point here. Pure wrestling. I like it. Good start. But we're going to build onto it. That's basically where we're at here. And again, we're going to crown the first champion next month. So stay tuned for that. So we got, because they laid the list off people that are going to be in the tournament. Um, let's see if I can find it here. I wrote it somewhere. Cocksucker. So in the tournament, we're going to have Matt Stryker, John Walters, AJ Styles, Doug Williams, Chris Sabin, CM Punk jimmy rave josh daniels It's an eight-man tournament a one-night tournament that'll occur at the second anniversary show so lots to look forward to in terms of that hey you want to talk about some people murdering each other let's get all this let's get all this chain wrestling hammerlock nonsense out of the way so we can talk about samoa joe sodomizing jim cornett huh how's that for a transition huh let's talk about samoa joe let's talk about joey samoe the Ring of Honor World Champion, shall we? He's continuing his feud with the Briscoes this month. Um, <laughs> I should first mention. So both shows, the introduction, the, there's promos and stuff in, in the intro to kind of open up the shows. We get two iterations of Samoa Joe's new segment, Samoa Joe's Ring, <laughs> which debuted at uh, Final Battle, the last show. Where he was just beating up on a job or choking him out. And I thought this is just like a one-off silly thing that he did, but apparently it's a running thing he does, which I am all for. Night one, he's like, Let me let me show you how to do an abdominal stretch. And he just fucking just rips this guy's head off. He and he's like, he's just beating up jobbers as he's cutting a promo on whatever he's gonna do on the show, which is phenomenal. Um, maybe I'll throw a clip up here. Listen to Samoa Joe. If you're just listening, um, just know that he's brutally stretching some wrestler as he's talking. And Brian Danielson even gets in on the fun a little bit as well.
1: See, what you want to do is get your opponent down, put the leg in, uh, and you want to stretch out through uh, here. This is very damaging, it often sucks away the wind. Wait wait, really... wait, 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 wait. Hey, don't, don't listen to him. There's a much more effective way to do this hold. Okay, when you've got the abdominal stretch here, uh, here, you have here, and then reach all the way around the neck. Do you feel that? Yeah. Do you feel where that stretches? Yeah. And then you pull up on the head there, and it's it's actually a much more effective uh, version of what Joe's got over there. So. Yeah, but the only reason you want to do that is that it makes it so hard to transition into takedown. Again, and of course, once you got a headlock takedown, any good man knows you want to figure for and lock that arm. You know, you know what? He's still doing that. You can still do that a better way, but you can still come out here. Take, go here, and instead of bringing it back here, if you bring it under the arm there, and then pull up on the head, you've actually got a much tighter hold there. Yeah, but there's a big problem with that hold, you see, because you still have that arm open, it can still be striking at you. So let's say he starts to bring it up. What you want to do is you want to switch it to a back wrist at the same time. You can still hit the back wrist lock here, but as you do it, you can pull the head up, and you can hit him, and hit him, and hit him there. You see, you know what? I'll tell you what. Obvious you have a problem with me. Let's get one thing straight. If you can do half of what you do out here, what your mouth says you can do tonight, well, I guess we'll be Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion.
2: So that was night one. Night two, he does a very similar thing, but he's basically he's showing what he did to Jim Cornette a few months ago. Because if you remember, a little, a little recap ski a little a little apron bump context. Jim Cornette came into Ring of Honor, aligned himself with Samoa Joe. Eventually turned on Samoa Joe, hitting him with a racket, aligning with the Briscoes because Jim Cornette didn't want to just align himself with a guy that was already champion. He wanted to make a champion. So he aligned himself with the Briscoes, who at the time were not the tag team champions. Lo and behold, Jay, Mark, they end up winning the tag team championships alongside Jim Cornette. And we're going to see a few defenses of those tag team titles on these shows. I put you out. I stretched you
1: so bad. Hell, you couldn't even find the building in Ohio. Or maybe you were afraid to find it. You know, a lot of people would ask themselves, what type of thing could Smojo do to a person to make them not want to show up for a show? Well, you know, it's pretty simple. I could have hit him. I could have punched him. I could have knocked him out. But that's too easy. He wouldn't have been able to felt the pain. Or I could have done something like this. Ah, see? You see Jim ah, Cornette? Joe, this looks familiar on, with what you. This fuck? looks familiar ah. to you, Jim Cornette. Ah. This is what I did to you. Joe, what this is hell, what man? I did to
2: you. It's night. And, but Jim Cornette. Is Jim Cornette the greatest manager of all time? I'm inclined to say yes. He is so good. He has. His emotion and the way that he the believability that he really cares about his clients, you know, for lack of a better word, is just so good. He builds up the Briscoes so well i mean just listen to this
0: who else in the ring of honor do i need to get even with because first of all there was the prophecy the fallen angel christopher daniels he who has been cast out from the kingdom shall suffer the fires and torment and anguish of eternal damnation forever and ever until the end of time so saith the lord doesn't sound like a guy i want to hang out with and i got even with the prophecy and now samoa joe you left me to lay in a hospital bed in new Jersey. And I'm not going to take that. Me, Jim Cornette, an icon in this profession, is not going to take that from a guy that's one generation removed from eating raw fish with his hands and taking a dump behind a tree. So Samoa Joe, tonight you and Jerry Lynn are going to feel the brunt of the racket and the Briscoes, the world tag team champions. And then... Samoa, I promise you, by the end of that match, you're gonna have a new challenger for your title because one of the Briscoe brothers is gonna beat you and then that's gonna earn him a shot at the world title so one of the Briscoes is gonna be a double champion. And then boys, who else is on the horizon? What other tag teams in ring of honor can give you guys a run? Give me some names. Uh, sh- Maxi Boys. <laughs> All they can do is rip off the Midnight Express music. They ought to be sued for copyright infringement. How about the Cornish crew? Oh come on, a couple of Al Bundy shoe salesman wannabes, and that don't look like Christine Applegate. Then I'd be interested. Give me somebody second city, city Nah, holier than thou preachers ain't got time for them because you need to be dirty in this business the point of the fact of the matter is ring of honor you're gonna have to get some tag team competition for these men because they're establishing a dynasty in this sport and nobody is gonna take these belts and nobody is gonna stop jim Cornette. that's a promise and my word is good
2: it's just it, it was because the briscoes would go on to be one of if not the best tag team of all time Point blank period. Like that's just the facts, right? And I think a lot of it stems because the Briscoes were good, right? I mean, the first year or two, the Briscoe's I felt I like, I think had the best matches in general. They, they they carried Ring of Honor for those first few years. But as a tag team, as like a tag team champion, tag team, Cornet. I mean, he's he got the ball rolling, if nothing else. Maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't give the Briscoes all of the ability because they already had it. But he he was the straw that broke the camel's back. And it was a big, thick, racket shaped straw that he gave them. So shout out Jim Cornette. Shout out Corny. But like I said, Joe Briscoe's where are we at here? So we've seen the, the, the basic story here. Because we got Joe, who's the world champion. The Briscoe's who are the tag team champions. The Briscoe's each Briscoe has tried to. Take the world title from Samoa Joe, and they both have failed, right? Joe beat Jay a few months ago, and Joe beat Mark, I believe it was our final battle, to defend his world title. So he's beaten both of them in singles matches. But here's the clinker. When Joe tries to challenge for the tag team titles, because he's he's partnered with AJ Styles. This month, he's going to be partnering with Brian Danielson. He's going to be partnering with Jerry Lynn. He's trying to find all these partners to for Joe to win the tag team titles and become a double champion. But Joe is unsuccessful every time. He even got pinned by Mark Briscoe a few months ago, so he obviously has a vendetta against them. He doesn't want to be pinned as the world champion, but you kind of have this stalemate that neither side can take the title off the other side. So it's very it's a fun like power struggle here. And um, night one, we got the Briscoes defending the tag team titles against Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe. Now I'm gonna say this: both matches. So here, I'll, I'll I'll lay it out like this, right? I think this is the best way to go about it. Night one is what I just described, right? Briscoes versus Danielson and Joe. Night two is the Briscoes defending again against Samoa Joe and Jerry Lynn, which. Seems like a major downgrade to me, but I digress. Um, fuck Jerry Lynn. Uh, he should not have beaten Nigel. But that that um, we're not gonna get into a fuck Jerry Lynn thing. But um, fuck Jerry Lynn. Both matches are very similar in that they start out hot, right? You know, Joe and Danielson or Joe and Lynn. Like they that side starts out hot from the very beginning. They get all their major moves, not all their major moves in, but the crowd gets hot. They got a lot of momentum, and then the Briscoes will channel that Jim Cornette energy and use like eye rakes or low blows or the the partner on the apron will, you know, knee the guy in the back to get advantage. They'll use shady tactics to to get the advantage, and then they beat on whoever uh, Joe's partner is. So like night one, they beat on Brian for a long time. And then Joe gets the hot tag and he's throwing out the uranagis and the STF. He's like talking shit to the briscoes when he has them in submissions. He's throwing them all over the place. Lariats. Olay kicks, throwing them into the barricade. Almost mi- not mirror images, but very similar kind of structures to these matches on both nights. Um, whereas night two, they, they beat on Jerry Lynn for a while. And then Joe gets the hot tag, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Night one. The Brian Danielson match. Brian hits a big back suplex off the top rope onto Mark. But Jay is able to take advantage of this impact on Brian. Hits the Jay driller on Brian Danielson to pin Danielson. And the Briscoes retain on night one. Night two, Joe gets the hot tag, you know. Tries to do the Olay kicks on Jay, but they've learned from the previous night. And Mark cuts off the Olay kicks with a plancha to the outside. One element I should also note, and I think it's pretty important, Jim Cornette was not there on night one, but he was there night two. So night two, Cornette actually gets in the ring at some point as Joe is about to put the finishing touches on. Hits Joe with the racket, or goes to hit him with the racket, but Joe blocks it, grabs the racket. Hits Cornette with a brutal forearm, which is hilarious that the way Cornette sells is better than any manager that's ever existed. Knocks out Cornette, but Mark grabs the racket, hits Joe with it and gets the quick pin like he hits Joe in the back. Kind of a weak fit. The racket never feels like a brutal. (laughs) You know what I mean? It always feels like a plastic, like the cover of a racket. You know what I mean? Because that's what it is, right? It's not like an actual racket. It's the cover, which you would assume that that, the actual racket is inside of it. But it probably it sounds like it's not in there. It's like a very pop. So Jay hits him with the racket, pins Joe and gets the win. So Jay Briscoe now has pinned Samoa Joe, even though Joe kicked out at literally like 3.1. Jay gets the win here. Just kind of a shitty, dusty finish, but all due to Jim Cornette. Joe, of course, is pissed because once again he was unable to become a double champion. He's also pissed because he took another loss as the world champion and goes on to challenge Jay Briscoe to a steel cage match for the world title, which is a match that I've never seen, but I've seen clips from. And it I am excited to get to that match. That's I believe that's a very legendary match. So I'm excited for that. But long story short, Joe. Loses twice this month in tag matches, gets pinned once, and uh, Cornette is dead, I guess. so. um, Briscoes move on. They're established, and the Briscoes further establish themselves as the top tag team. So I thought this stuff was good, man. Briscoes and Joe, again, these are two entities that have carried Ring of Honor in these first two years. Because there's been a lot of shit. Let's let's, let's, Let's call a spade a spade. There's been a lot of bullshit in these first two years. But anything with the Briscoes is worth watching. Anything with Joe is worth watching. Those are the two main staples. You also got your like AJ Styles, Brian Danielson, those guys, right? But I think Joe and Briscoes are the two top guys. And it's cool to see them. Part of me is like, maybe you can spread this throughout the show and have the Briscoes like actually (laughs) like have a feud with a tag team. Um, But the content has been good, so I can't complain too much. So cage match on the way. Joe is pissed. Joe is pissed. Um, a little bit more on Joe and what he's going to be doing on the second anniversary show later, but uh, that's where we're at. While we're um, <laughs> speaking of bullshit, let's talk about some of that horse manure, huh? Let's. Talk, it's it's actually it's not. It's not all bad. There's some good stuff here, but we got. Scrambles. We got scrambles. We got mayhem. We got survival. What's the difference? Doesn't seem like there is. <laughs> we got. Uh, I'll lay. I'll lay this out I'm up front. Right. We got on night one. We got a four-way survival, and also an eight-man scramble. But night two, we got a six-man mayhem, and night two also a no DQ three way scramble. And I thought all scrambles were no DQ, but apparently the night one scramble is not. I mean, it's here. Here's ring of honor, right? Let's all, let's all take a, let's all take a step back and and remember what we're talking about. Right? Yes. We got some major stars being built here in ring of honor. Yes. We got the style of wrestling really being kind of architected, architected being, being established here in these early stages in the early to mid 2000s. But you also got a lot of just indie, just a lot of a lot of baggy shorts, a lot of 450s, lots of bandanas, lots of Limp biscuit entrance music. You got a lot of that stuff, right? And let's let's get into some of it, right? Let's start. Let's start off with night one. Four corner survival. So we got the names here, man. I'm just going to say these names. I think that's the content in itself, right? First of all, we got Jimmy Rave here. Who we've seen before, right? I don't think he's gotten a win yet. We got Jimmy Rave versus Todd Sexton versus Caprice Coleman versus Rain Man. Rain Man. Yep, like the movie. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm I'm. I'm a, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to assume that he, my listeners are not familiar with Todd Sexton. Todd Sexton, visually picture a younger version of Nick Gage. That's kind of what we got here. Caprice Coleman, current Ring of Honor uh, commentator, which is fun to see him in his early days in wrestling was pretty solid. He had very, I don't know if he's a former boxer. He has some boxing offense that he tries to incorporate that I don't think looks great. Uh, then Rain Man coming out here in an orange jumpsuit. So that's what we're doing. Kind of like early days homicide boogaloo. You guys remember remember that? The natural born killers, huh? Looks like he's the third guy in this faction. And then Jimmy Rave, of course. Uh, future member of the embassy. B- big, big, big parting of, of honor is Jimmy Rave here. So what a cast of characters <laughs> is what I'll say here. And I'll say this, man. Uh, by the way, Gabe Sapolsky, if you're keeping track of home, this is also a pure wrestling match, according to him. Um, but I'll say this, man. And a lot of these like multi-man, scrambly survival, just, just uh, clusterfuck type matches, almost all of them have a spot where every guy is in a submission at once. Like in this one, like you got todd has a figure four on caprice but then rain man locks in the camel clutch but then jimmy rave comes in locks a moodle locks, so they're like all in a submission all tied together at once which is fun but that's like in every every one of these matches um i think there's no i'm not even gonna try to be like oh here's the story of this match like Let's just let's just list off some moves that happened. I need like a fucking jingle. To, this needs to be like a segment. What moves happened in this match? We got Todd Sexton going for a suicide dive, lands on his head, almost makes the move a literal description of what it was. Rain Man with the flipping poncho over the top rope. Caprice Coleman with a springboard to the outside. Got super high on that one. And look, the ending stretch—it's always like. Us in this match, we're relative unknowns. We're trying to make a name for ourselves. Let's show the audience our coolest moves. So they all take turns. Sexton hits a super kick to Jimmy Rave. Caprice Coleman does a TKO. So you guys are familiar with the TKO. It's like a fireman's carry into a cutter. But Caprice does it where he like falls on his own face. Again, like I appreciate the innovation, but. It's, it's let's crap. Let's go back to the drawing board with this one. Uh, Rain Man hits a big sky high on the Jimmy Rave. Uh, Rain Man hits a big sky high on the Caprice Coleman. Jimmy Rave hits a pretty sick looking backbreaker into an STO on the Rain Man Sexton with a rope hung DDT onto Rave. Rain Man hits an atomic Bubba Bomb, <laughs> is how I. So like the bubba bomb full Nelson slam onto Sexton Caprice hits a crazy looking dominator into a pile driver type move, a really dangerous looking fucking, I think it's a gonzo, but this Brody uh, King do this. I believe he does. It's like a sick looking pile driver on the rain, man, but ultimately Jimmy Rave counters a roll up from Todd Sexton and hits the shining wizard onto big sex. For the win. So Jimmy Rave gets the win, finally gets a win in Ring of Honor and goes backstage, finds his mentor, AJ Styles. Because AJ has been just berating Jimmy Rave for the past few months. Every time Jimmy Rave loses, AJ is like, Jimmy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah why didn't you attack the neck, Jimmy? Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you gotta go in for the kill, Jimmy. Come on, attack the leg, break his ankle, rip his bowels out, take his bones out of his skin. Like the things that you say to your mentor, right? Or mentee. But AJ sees that Jimmy Ray finally won. And AJ's like, "Hey, hey. He's like <clears throat> He's like, well, You finally did it. Now you're ready. And Jimmy Rave's like, for what? And AJ's like, For me. So I guess we're getting Jimmy Rave versus AJ Styles finally. Um, I don't know if that occurs on the because they're both they're both in the pure title tournament. So I'm not sure if that's going to be a, t- a tournament match or what. But we got Jimmy Rave and AJ Styles upcoming. So that's something feels like we've been building that for a while. Uh, but sticking to night one, we got another scrambly type of match. We got an eight man scramble. We got the Carnage crew and the ring crew express. So the crew, the crew, crew, crew. Uh, DeVito, Loke, Marcos versus Special K represented by Dixie, Hydro, Slim J and Joey Matthews. (laughs) So we got, yeah, uh, fucking, uh, what was his WWE name? Joey Mercury and Jay Lethal representing Special K here. The backstory here, Carnage Crew, DeVito specifically. Uh, DeVito has a daughter who has started listening to techno music and has started to do X or E. (laughs) One of those drugs, I guess his daughter is doing. He's hanging out with a bunch of these raves. She's going to raves, everybody. Not Jimmy rave, like techno raves. And DeVito is very pissed because uh, that's not the that's not the values he wants to instill in his daughter. Um... he's <laughs> best in. carnage crew cannot beat special K no matter what it's some so, someone interferes some shenanigans happen and special K always comes out on top when they're facing the carnage crew so that's basically the main story we got here the match I mean look it's a scramble match what moves happened we got slim J does an upside down moonlight drive <laughs> So if you're familiar with John Morrison's spinning neckbreaker, moonlight drive, think of that. But like if Morrison did a backflip instead of a front flip, you might be trying to visualize this and being like hardest part of the ring. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, there's double teams all over the place. Special K doing their dives to the outside carnage crew. Carnage, Plex, double teams. Uh, they do their power bomb into a neckbreaker that looks pretty sweet. Um, Devito gets busted open at some point. Gets a drop toe hold into a chair. The match is what it is. Honestly, you've seen one, you've seen them all. They're, it's I feel like I've seen like a some iteration of this match like ten times. It's fine, but like the real story here. First of all, the commentary is fucking on one in this match, dude. I'm just gonna like. Splice in a clip here of the commentary. Just note that Special K has a couple ladies ringside. Just note that Special K has a uh, Becky Bayless uh, ringside. Otherwise known as, quote unquote, that slut Becky, <laughs> which it's just so like. <laughs> they, it, they need like a thesaurus or something because they just refer to her in, in the same words every time just. I'm just gonna throw this out, and also, Chris Nelson, the new commentator, just gets thrown into this nonsense, and he's trying to like play along. But I don't know. You tell me if it felt organic or not. Three corner somewhere. That's why we haven't seen him.
0: Well, you know, a little too much Raven will do that to you. Maybe we need to get him a bottle of water.
2: You also see Becky on
0: the outside in the corner of Special K. I like Becky. Well, that's Daddy's little girl that's the kind of girl she is. That's why I like Becky. And now there's DeVito eight, with the punch. It's really hard to find people that'll do me. <laughs> and now he's getting whipped in the ropes, I'm not gonna touch that one. Neither will they. Big high backdrop by DeVito. Their happy lifestyle, the long hours they work, their nagging, disappointed families. They get out that aggression in the ring and they get special cash. I'm glad they're beating up these rich kids rather than beating up their wives and family. I guess he didn't take his pill for dorkalism this morning. He's
2: back there in the back.
0: Wow, did you see how high he got on
2: X? Yeah, he got higher than he could on X. Hello, fellow kids. That, that's, this is the energy that they're bringing. Hello, fellow kids. Um, but the real story here, all of this to say, the real story here, we got a major debut here. The monster Abyss <laughs> walks out to align with Special K. So Abyss comes out with a couple other ladies who um, are described commentaries like, Who are those sluts with them? Like, God, can we fucking st- can we stop? Can we? It's not even I'm not even mad that they're calling them sluts. It's just like be a little more creative with it. Be a little more seamless, maybe. Like, I don't know. Use another word or either. I don't know. Abyss comes out, gives the shock treatment. To Loke and Dixie pins him for the win. So uh, Special K has a new enforcer in Abyss, <laughs> which is not. I would have never predicted this. I knew Abyss came into Ring of Honor at some point. I did not know he was a member of Special K. Um, I guess Abyss is a rave kid uh, as well. Huh? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? You got Abyss, the most hilarious part of this all, right? And it's all hilarious, by the way. Abyss continues the ass beating after the match. While all of this techno music is playing. So Abyss is doing his Abyss thing, but with a techno music bed underneath it, like just YouTube, watch it. But if you're listening, listen to this and just know that Abyss is just kicking the shit out of people with this in the background. So that's a thing. That's a thing. So Abyss is here, which is hilarious and awesome. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Big special K guy. <laughs> Well-known special K guy here. And I'm pointing to me. I'm pointing to me right here. I just noticed on the YouTube, I'm like pumping my fists in front of my mouth, and it does not look like I'm pointing to me. Um, But anyways, so that's that. Let's just rattle off the rest of these scramble bullshit matches. We got six-man mayhem on night two. We got Hydro, otherwise known as Jay Lethal. Versus Chris Sabin, versus Sanjay Dutt versus Caprice Coleman versus Jack Evans versus Slick Wagner Brown. So and apparently a top five ranking is at stake in this match, which uh, Gabe is very adamant that just being in the five, that just being in the top five rankings is prestigious in and of itself. I mean, you're known worldwide for being in the in the top five rankings of Ring of Honor, apparently. So that's fun. But uh, that brings us to everybody's favorite segment. What moves happened in this match? We got Slick Wagner Brown with a razor's edge into a face buster. Jay Lethal hits a paradigm shift on the Caprice Coleman. You got Sanjay Dutt doing a Hindu press. Caprice Coleman tries to do this like a Muhammad Ali boxing combo. It just looks very bad. Um, I mean, his hands aren't up. He's just it's like John Moxley punches. He's throwing <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired. But Jack Evans, of course, is fucking insane. He does this springboard to the outside. I swear he did 10 twists in the air as he was up there. But um, that's his deal. But ultimately, Chris Sabin Does a. He hits his cradle shock onto uh, Hydro, I believe. But he sets it He like Saban goes for the power bomb, but then just over rotates him so that he's on his shoulders and then hits the cradle shock, which looked very slick. Um, and Sabin gets the win. So Sabin won on night one. And then he also gets a win in the six man match, and I guess is in the top five rankings. So big win for Sabin like I said he's really establishing himself this month and uh is gonna be a player I would assume here in ring of honor so probably capitalizing that on the momentum of him and Tna I mean he got a lot of Tna in this match you got uh Sanjay Dutt, Jay lethal who I don't think is there yet but he will be so good stuff man good stuff I guess <laughs> for a screw <laughs> for a scramble match um and then also last one night two no disqualification three-way scramble match the carnage crew represented by just Credible, and loke versus the backseat boys team of johnny cashmere and tren acid versus special k team of dixie and izzy so we're again just furthering the story of the carnage crew not being able to beat special k um i mean the match gets underway right out of the gate um special k comes out for their entrance carnage crew with a pearl Harbor job in the aisleway, way backseat boys right behind them you got the backseat boys and the carnage crew like double team on special k they take them all out everybody on the outside um commentary is very mad about the sluts again they're brawling all around the ring i mean you've seen one i'm mean, again this is another match i feel like i've just seen like 20 times over the course of these two years uh, just incredible hits a second rope tombstone on the Dixie. But then the backseat boys come through the back door, hit the T gimmick onto Loke, take out just incredible. And the backseat boys kind of pick the bones here and get the win. Which is funny because like I said, the backseats and the carnage crew were working together right up until the end. So the backseat boys kind of fucked them over. So again, carnage crew Cannot beat these stupid kids, which is a fun little sub story here happening in the Ring of Honor. Um, but yeah, it was what it was, I suppose. Let's talk about homicide for a second, shall we? Homicide, Notorious 187. So he's coming off, I guess, his feud with Steve Carino's is over, I would assume. I'm not sure if it actually is or not. They had that barbed wire match and whatnot. Homicide did beat Samoa Joe a few months ago, but it seems like we're trying to forget that that happened. <laughs> so Homicide's kind of like in a limbo period, like he's a big star in Ring of Honor, but he doesn't really have a solid story going on at the moment. But on both nights, he has marquee matches. Night one, we got AJ Styles versus Homicide, who are two of the MVPs of 2003, I would say. Um, so it's really cool seeing these guys face off against each other. Uh, there's one point in the match where homicide does his classic tope con hilo through the middle ropes because goes sailing into the crowd and uh, the ref like like homicides like knocked out seemingly the ref calls for the medics. The crowd gets really quiet. Medic medical teams looking at homicide. Homicide's like, no, I want to keep going. So I'm not sure like to what extent this was a was work or what, but. The match continues. They get back in the ring. Homicide goes for a cop kill on AJ. AJ counters it. But Homicide hits him with a low blow out of desperation. Hits him with a pile driver. And gets a two count off of that. Um, Just a really fun back and forth match here. You got like AJ will hit his Pele kick. Homicide stumbles. Hits a running drop kick. Ultimately, though, Homicide goes for a sunset flip pin on the AJ, but AJ rolls through, dead lifts him up. Styles clash. One, two, three. So AJ Styles gets the win here, and AJ Styles has been a top guy in this company so far, and it seems like they're going to continue with him. I mean, they see the talent that this dude has to say. So again, like not a ton of story here, just a really fun match. Um of two of the MVPs of ring of honor so far, but night two, we got homicide taken on CM punk. So trying to get uh homicide wants to get a win this month. Doesn't want to take two L's, but um, let's just, so we got CM punk versus homicide, right? CM punk is uh, maybe the best character going in ring of honor. At this point, the second city saints, he's got Colt cabana with him. He's got a steel. And he's got Tracy Brooks, who is his, uh, I believe is his girlfriend at the time. I don't know what the opposite of a fetish is, but whatever that is. Is it like an ick? Is that what the kids are saying? An ick? I can't stand schoolgirl outfits. I hate the pigtails, the plaid skirt, the white, you know, knee high, whatever the hell's right. It is so fucking cringe, dude. And Tracy Brooks comes out here. By the way, look, Tracy's an attractive woman, right? I'm not going to sit here and say Tracy Brooks is not attractive. She's always looked 45 years old, like always. And. Her coming out in this in the schoolgirl get up for no reason, like it doesn't fit in with a second city saints gimmick. She's just, it I don't know why it makes me so mad. It's probably unwarranted, right? So, I mean, like, you have the Second City Saints, they're all serious. They got the AFI music coming out, they're throwing up the X's, and you just got Tracy Brooks twirling her hair in the background. Get the fuck over it, man. Um, but Punk comes out. That being said, that all being said, right? We got a really fucking good match here. CM Punk, Homicide. They had a match a few months ago that was tremendous. Uh, maybe the best CM Punk match so far. This one was very good, too. I don't know if it matched their first match, um, but the ending stretch of this was really fun. You got, I mean, this was, I mean, this whole match was just bomb after bomb. Homicide goes for a lariat, but Punk counters into a Pepsi twist, which if you're not familiar, that's like a hammer lock into a lariat. Uh, Homicide hits a pile driver, locks in the STF. Punk gets to the ropes to break it up. Punk fights back. hits a like a really high and tight cradle suplex for a two count. But ultimately, Homicide wins with the cop killer. So Homicide gets a win over CM Punk, which is a pretty fucking big deal because Punk and Raven pretty much monopolized 2003 in the main event. Punk has been a main event fixture feuding with the uh, the prophecy, which we'll get into in a second. So, big win for Homicide. Good match. Really great energy to this match. But um, kind of jumping to the end of night two, you know, like in the conclusion, like the ending few minutes of the show, we see Homicide leaving the building and he says that he's leaving Ring of Honor or he's like taking a break from Ring of Honor. I don't know if he's like going to Japan or what, or if this is all just like a storyline. But it seems weird coming off a win that he's like, you know what, I'm fucking Ring of not, not, He's not fucking a of Honor. He's just like, I need to get my mind right or whatever the hell. So we'll see what comes of that. But it was a very interesting way to end it. But that's where Homicide's at. And those were some of the standout matches for me. But let's conclude this bad boy with faction warfare. We got the Saints, the Second City Saints versus the Prophecy. So the main event of night one, you got CM Punk, Ace Steel, and Colt Cabana taking on the team of Christopher Daniels, Dan Moff, and the newest member of the Prophecy, BJ Whitmer, in a six-man tag match, which to say it breaks down would be an understatement. But to kind of just lay the backstory here, Prophecy, Second City Saints, the two top factions in the company, and that's just like... Ring of Honor up to this point has not had a a lot of good luck with factions. The prophecy has been something that's been established since the beginning, pretty much, pretty much since day one. But it's been kind of fluid, like Donovan Morgan was a part of it. And then he kind of just quietly left and Samoa Joe was kind of a part of it, but only as like an assassin. Then he all of a sudden decided he didn't want any part of it and, and joined his own group which the, <laughs> the fucking Steve Carino group was a disaster in itself only lasted like one or two shows and the prophecy, like they had um, simply luscious, but then she joined Steve Carino's group, which again imploded in itself. And then Alice in danger came in. So it's been, like the prophecy hasn't felt like a fashion up until now. I'll say this, their entrance for their six man tag on night one was the first time that I felt like the pro- the prophecy felt like a faction. It's even down to like the matching, um, the matching gear. They got the, the hats and the shirts with the logo on it. They got the hand gestures. And you got guys that just feel like they're a part of a faction. BJ Whitmer, I think, was a good addition to this because he got Daniels, Dan Moff, BJ Whitmer, Alice in Danger. And Alice in Danger, she had a lot of like promo time on this month. Like up to this point, she's kind of just been a background figure, like an outside interference type figure. Um, but I thought she really was impressive. And because like night two Daniels is not there, and we'll get into why. But she kind of took the lead as the leader, and I thought it was pretty solid stuff from her. So prophecy coming out here looking good. Second City Saints. Because the whole dynamic here with the Saints, you got CM Punk who's CM Punk, right? He hasn't changed that much. Ace Steel and Colt Cabana have kind of been like the goofy idiots in the background. Like, they don't really match the intensity of punk, but they all kind of got on the same page. Like, Colt was doing as one of his backstage um, talk show interviews, good times, great memories as a show. His his guest was Ace Steel, and they are kind of just like, oh, like, they're just being goofy idiots, talking about their mom's it was bowling league or whatever the hell I don't know they had a stupid trophy it was a whole thing Um, but Punk comes in and is like I need your goddamn game faces on fellas All right. and they're like okay and then they come out all serious there's no Copacabana on this show so all of this to say and by the way all this this feud was kind of established because um, Lucy otherwise known as Daphne Lucy was a part of the Second City Saints but she got taken out It was probably like six months ago at this point, but nobody knew who took her out. And it was unveiled at final battle that it was BJ Whitmer that took Lucy out. And he was doing it on behalf of the prophecy. BJ now joins the prophecy prophecy or uh, the saints now have a personal vendetta against them, but the prophecy want to maintain control of ring of honor, but so do the saints. So it's a big power struggle at the top of the card for these two factions. Pretty simple story. Um, But like I said, Daniels, CM Punk, two of the strongest characters going right now. And you got a lot of good talent in here. So it was very good. We got we got a good scene set here for this feud, even though you got stupid schoolgirl, (laughs) Tracy Brooks. By the way, Ace steel, which everybody now knows him for the guy that likes to bite thighs, right? Do you know what his nickname was in the indies? I didn't until this show. Sexy Ace Steel is. I'm not making that up. His nickname is sexy. Sexy Ace Steel is here. But the match gets underway. Like I said, we got six man tag here to close out night one. By the way, both factions are wearing black and red, which is just embarrassing. Um It's very hard to keep track of because they're all wearing like the same colors. You got, you got a little bit of inner prophecy turmoil too, because BJ and Dan Moff don't completely trust each other. They've had a lot of stiff battles over the uh past year or two. Um, Dan Moff didn't, did not know that it was BJ that attacked Lucy. So Dan, Dan Moff swore on his dead dad's grave Um, as opposed to his alive dad's grave. I don't know. Um, so Dan Moth BJ, they don't really trust each other, but they kind of build that throughout the month. It was a, it was a solid match. I mean, Dan Moth busts his head open on the post. The Saints beat up on Moth for a lot of this match. Um, each of the Saints do top rope moves. I think Colt does like a splash, and then Punk does a leg drop, and then Ace Steel does an elbow drop. So they're beating up on Moth, but Moth Comes back with a big lariat, sending Punk into orbit. Makes the hot tag to Daniels. Then the, it all breaks down from there. You got everybody doing dives to the outside. Colt does a sick-looking Asahi moonsault to the outside. Daniels with an Arabian moonsault to the outside. And everybody just take turn, takes turns doing their finishers. Uh, Daniels hits a best moonsault ever to Punk for a two count, which I don't know if anybody's ever kicked out of that up to this point. So that's, that felt like a big moment. You got a cat fight with Tracy Brooks and, uh, Allison danger. I say cat fight, but they really just get in the ring and start chopping each other. It's like, cause it's like ring of Honor's version of a cat fight. Uh, danger hits her with a spear and BJ gets in there with a chair and accidentally clocks the ref with it as he swings it at punk refs down punk hits the chair up into BJ's face. A second ref comes out and just throws the match out because we've just broken down into chaos. Commentary (laughs) fucking Gabe again, man. We got to get out of here. The war is coming to us. They fight all around the arena. I mean, they have like a full on match after the match is over. They like they're still fighting in the ring. They're still doing spots and double teams and what have you. Lots of people getting thrown into the barricade. Lots of crowd fighting. BJ Whitmer hits Tracy Brooks with a rich clutch. Suplex. Punk hits a springboard. Doomsday neckbreaker onto one of the Prophecy guys. Moff gets in there and just chairs everybody. Chairs everywhere. Everybody's using chairs and brawling around the ring. Lucy comes back. Lucy's, I guess, come out of her coma from being punched in the head once. Like six months ago, comes back for revenge on BJ, takes him out. I think hits him with a low blow or something. And then we get a really dramatic uh, Pepsi plunge onto Daniel's through a table. And that ends the (laughs) that ends the brawl, I guess. And it's really dramatic. They like. Like everybody leaves, (laughs) they like cut to a few minutes later When everybody's like leaving the building, the house lights are on, and Daniels is still just like face down in the ring, and the prophecies all around him, like crying. They're getting a stretcher for him. And like Daniels is not on night two. So this really took him out for a bit. So Saints come out of night one looking like beasts. And, um, but Dan Moth has um, some words for the Saints. We're going to come
1: like we've never come before.
2: So. uh He means business, I guess. So, like I said, Daniels is taken out, although he does have a promo on night two, which is hilarious. Let me find it. So it's like I'm I'm I might even clip some of this just so you can hear what it sounds like. Not the words per se, but it's just the funny like VHS camcorder, <laughs> like the, the the hum in the background, the the clinking of the camera, the zoom in is just so 2004, man, it's hilarious.
1: Baltimore, Maryland. Ring of Honor returns to Baltimore, Maryland. And instead of making my triumphant
2: Baltimore debut, I'm at home, recuperating from a neck injury. And he's holding his infant daughter. You know, rubbing, she's sleeping. He's holding her, petting her on the back. Daniels is like, Punk, you're going to see a side of me that I don't want my daughter to ever see. Zoom out. (laughs) It's very dramatic. Um, I kind of liked it, though. I kind of liked it. But that's basically where we're at with that. I'll just I'll wrap this up with night two. We have a number one contenders match. It's a four corner survival. Matt Striker versus Xavier versus Dan Moff versus BJ Whitmer. So out of the four, we got two prophecy guys, right? We got Xavier who is a former Prophecy member, is now a member of the embassy, which is starting to get underway here. Nana's not here. He's in Japan scouting, quote unquote. Um, But Xavier is here and then Matt Stryker, who is always in the picture here at this point. So. Four corner match. It's a fine match. Of course, the Prophecy guys team up to try to take out the other two guys. It breaks down as all of these scramble matches do. Everybody do your moves. Xavier hits his kiss-your-ex-goodbye on the Matt Striker. Dan Moff hits a brutal-looking half-and-half suplex onto Xavier. Matt Stryker hits a Death Valley Driver on the Moff. The Prophecy have a little miscue here where Dan Moff is holding uh, Matt Stryker. BJ goes for a Lariat, but Stryker ducks, and BJ hits Moff, and they have a little kerfuffle here for a second. But ultimately, Dan Moff, hits a brutal looking lariat on the match striker. And Dan Moff and BJ Whitmer both pin Matt striker and they both get the win. So it's a double pin. And there's a lot of confusion and whatnot. What ultimately happens is a three way is established for the second anniversary show. It's going to be Samoa Joe. Defending against both BJ Whitmer and Dan Moff. Now, modern day rules would state that if even if the champion doesn't lose, he can still lose the title. But the little wrinkle they throw in here, the three-way. So now, if one of the, if BJ or Moth pins Joe, then they win the title. But if Moth or BJ if, they, if either of them pin each other, then that earns them a number one contendership to a future match, a future one on one match with Joe. Which I don't know how. I, first of all, I feel like any like triple threat or four way should just be elimination. I feel like they sh- I, I hate the concept of losing your title without being pinned. I think that's the stupidest shit that exists today. I don't know how it still exists. Like, is nobody looking at this like hey, maybe this doesn't make a lot of sense every every triple threat should be an elimination everyone every four way should be an elimination when you, when you get to like five and six people it can get a little cumbersome i get it but every three way should be an elimination match it just i don't know but in this case they they do do it a little i th- i don't hate this stipulation and that you you have to pin the champion to win the title um but i don't know we'll we'll, we'll see what comes of that Spoiler alert, I believe low key ends up getting added to this match. So I'm not sure how that affects the stipulation, but. That's where we're at here, and then the night two ends with Samoa Joe. Cosmo Joe is cutting his promo on the Briscoes. And as he's you know talking about Jay Briscoe, he challenges Jay to a steel cage match. The prophecy, Dan Moff, BJ Whitmer, they attack him from behind, leave him laying so the prophecy even though they had their kind of miscommunications and their little bit of tension they appear to be unified coming out of january of 2004 so joe is in trouble i suppose is what we're we're led to believe here but so the prophecy have have their toes a little bit in the world title scene but also still feuding with the saints so hopefully the faction warfare is is a little better than prophecy versus Steve Carino's group because that was a fucking Michael Shane and CW Anderson like who gives a shit but that's about I think that's about all daddy has for you today I feel like I rambled a lot did I I don't know but all in all it was a solid month I wouldn't say they came out guns blazing I feel like this was a lot of seeds being planted a lot of new concepts being established um but ultimately i think it all um it all pays off eventually or does it you'll have to you'll have to tune in and find out uh but that's ring of honor january 2004 hope you guys enjoyed it i'm excited to get into ring of honor in 2004 it's just, everybody always says like 0405 or just the bee's knees with ring of honor and 2002 2003 were definitely you could see can see the growing pains You can see the growing pains, but you can also see things improving slowly over time. So I'm enjoying it. Hopefully you are, too. That's about all Daddy has for you today. Like the video, subscribe, rate the podcast, rate the episode. Is that a thing? Probably not. I don't know. But I appreciate you guys tuning in. Love you all. Big old smooches for all of you. Hey, hey, guess what? I'm hard.
0: Yeah. It's the hardest, talk around and disregard it you off the ground, show you the hardest Standing stronger, prouder, and I guess, let's get started It's the hardest, talk around and disregard it Shoot you off the ground,
1: show you heart is